Welcome to HR Latte, your connection to all things HR. Today's great HR department is foundational for today's successful business. Listen in as host Rayanne Thorne gets personal with practitioners and technologists, experts and thought leaders who care about the world of human resources. And now for your next cup of talent management, whipped to perfection. Everybody, welcome to HR Latte. This is Rayanne Thorne, your host today and every day. I'm here today with a very special guest, a friend from my past and boss from my past. Dwayne Maltese is the co-founder and CEO of Talentogy. Hello, Dwayne. Thanks for joining me today. Hey, good morning, Rayanne. Thanks for having me. Of course, always a pleasure. I love finding out what you're up to these days. So why don't you give us a quick history of your work life in HR tech, and then we'll jump in talking about this new thing you got going, Talentogy. Sure. So been in HR technology for quite a while. This is actually the third company that we founded on the HR tech side. So I guess you can say we're a, we're a glutton for punishment in that regard. Um, <laughs> and for those that aren't really familiar with the, with the HR tech space, I mean, you, don't, you may not necessarily equate HR tech directly with innovation, but the reality is uh, HR technology is a, a really innovative space. So it's, it's a space we love. And if you think back, job boards uh, were one of the earliest business models on the internet in the early 90s. Uh, and advertising you know, was really a leader in those days in uh, advertising automation and analytics. And then you've got systems like ATSs that deal with you know, large, chunky, unstructured data like jobs and resumes and provided means of searching and matching and classifying it all. So HR tech companies were some of the earliest companies to move off-premise uh, into what would really become the modern cloud. And again, all of these things happened in the 90s, and early 2000s. And you know, fast forward these days, we've kind of moved through the adoption of big data, all the advances in sourcing automation, along with marketplaces and APIs. And, and now the, the big shift in wave towards machine learning and AI, all that's right. found permanent homes on the HR tech side. So from an HR tech and business perspective, it's an amazing environment and you get the ability to really solve you know, what we believe are some important and complex problems at scale. So, you know, that's why we've been in the space as long as we have. And, and one of the reasons that we wanted to start up uh, Talentogy about 18 months ago. So a third company, you are really are a glutton for punishment. <laughs> so, yeah, indeed. Yeah. So this company, let's talk specifically about Talentogy because you've worked in the past with Technomedia, SmartPost, why start this particular company? You mentioned AI, you mentioned machine learning. Is some of that going on there? Yeah, we've actually, uh, we are uh, working in each of those areas. And I guess you can probably guess by some of the mini history lesson, we've been around in the HR tech space for a while. So yes. we've been working in this space for, for over 20 years, starting on the recruitment and recruitment marketing side of the business way back when, as you said, with SmartPost and Bernard Hodes Group. And then moving into the talent management side, to deal with employee experiences and then kind of the post-hire. And all along the way, we've seen HR struggle with the related technologies and the programs. And not that this is new, but you know, HR manages more systems and programs than any other business function inside a company by far. And that's not a niche to you know, an industry niche or based on a certain geo. That's just straight up uh, the reality inside yeah. the HR organization. Yeah. So, you know, George LaRock has some great research. He did focus on the mid-market, but it certainly holds true, I think, across the board. But, it, you know, it shows 
HR are running double-digit averages in the number of systems that they use, and more concerning, double-digit turnover in those systems. And because we, you know, we talk a lot about experience stats and satisfaction stats, you don't have to look very hard to find statistic after statistic that shows the consumers of the HR function. So job seekers, employees, managers, even recruiters to some extent are really frustrated with the overall experience. Uh, it's, it's pretty easy to find evidence of that uh, yes. out in the wild. Yes. And so, you know, from that, why start this company? The frustration uh, along those experiences translates into bottom line impacts on the company brand, productivity, you know, the ability to find and grow talent. And, you know, the impact of those poor experiences compounded with a lack of visibility that we see to what causes poor experiences costs companies millions of dollars uh, every year. So that was the problem that we kind of wanted to get under and solve with Talentigy. And we started to help companies solve those problems by providing our platform that really automates the identification of those underlying issues. And we provide tools to help understand and address the problems, whether it's a technology issue or a process issue, sometimes even a people issue. But we're really passionate about that, kind of given our background of being on the solution provider side and, and really wanted to try and see if we can help companies truly understand what's going on and how they can continuously improve. So I don't think I've ever asked you this before. I know we talked in the past about you, your entrepreneurial drive and the fact that you're starting a third company says says a great deal about that just in and of itself. But what brought you to HR? Was it something you fell into like most of us? Or did you work as an HR practitioner in the past? What kind of was the the jumping off point for you in human resources and HR technology? Oh, it's, you know, I got into it like everybody else. I was an English major <laughs> in college. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. <laughs> so, uh, no, I was, we were in college, an English major uh, down at the University of North Carolina at Wilmington and uh, had met some recruiters and headhunters in the space. And at the time, these guys were just bringing on kind of brochureware web pages online to kind of present their companies. And so we were providing services to get recruiters and headhunters web pages up on the internet to help them advertise their jobs. And, And so that meant we were posting jobs manually to a variety of websites. And after a while, that wasn't fun and took quite a bit of time. So we built a solution to help recruiters post their own jobs and, and automate that. So over time, that turned into the smart post application where we helped companies automate the job posting process and the advertising process and, and building measures off of that. But it was very much by happenstance of, of meeting some folks that uh, had a need and being in college and uh, tired of eating ramen and, and <laughs> wanting to get into something that was uh, tied to the internet. And uh, that's how we got started. Well, you do know ramen is and ramen eating is the rite of passage in college. So it, it, it was time if you were done with college, it was time to move on. So <laughs> I, I try to share that with my kids that, you know, it's it, there's a time for ramen and you should enjoy it. Well, it's coming back and I enjoy it and again, but there true. was definitely about a there was about a 20 year period where it just uh, just couldn't do it. Yeah, no, I, I feel for you. And, and I went through the same thing. So I don't want to get too much into being an entrepreneur. We've, we've talked about it in the past, but I do know that you have a co-founder 
um, that's a good friend of yours and has worked with you in the years past, um, Shauna Berthold, who is also a good friend of mine and a good friend of the show. How did that yep. come to be? How did you guys come to decide, let's do this together? Well, there's actually three co-founders, so it's Shauna, myself, and, and Stephanie Ralston, and, and okay. Stephanie and I actually worked together in the Smart Post days. But specifically, you know, the three of us uh, have worked together almost uh, through the entirety of the past 20 years, specifically with Shauna, I met her when we joined Bernard Hodes Group, and at the time, she had started and was running what was called a regional interactive group that focused on web things for the clients of the company, and, and we were obviously focused on some of the sourcing and advertising technology as, as well as what would kind of grow into our applicant tracking system. And so the first intro was very much in us kind of serving her customer base okay. uh, as it was growing. And from there, you know, she helped companies really decide where they would spend their advertising dollars, how they would ma- measure them. And again, all related to finding talent, which translated quite well into being able to market and kind of communicate about the values of, of what we were bringing to the table. So we hit it off and there was a, a lot of good success inside Bernard Hodes and, and she moved over to Tech the Media on the talent management side and kind of expanded uh, the horizons into not just recruiting, but also broader talent management and with a much more global focus and really trying to communicate the values of, of what we do as an organization through marketing channels and lead generation channels. And she's got a real knack at, 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 at those things, you know. And, and so it's obviously that's one of the most uh, critical components in, in, in starting a company. And she was crazy enough to say yes. <laughs> and we decided that this might be something we wanted to try. And, and so, you know, it's been a, it's been a long history of working with, with both the co-founders and, you know, fortunately a successful one. And, and so we were excited to, to get involved with something new. Well, from me personally, two female co-founders. Thank you, thank you. Um, you know, for <laughs> for we for do we can. doing that jump. I mean, it no, it says a lot about you and your your impact on both of these women, and also on the industry. And so, I I've had the unique opportunity to work with you as well, and and enjoyed that experience. And you know, it's it's good to see this in our space when we've been talking about it. We clearly want diversity, and we clearly want equality, and to see it actually happening with with one of us really making the push for it, it's it's nice to see it. So I, I appreciate what what you three are doing, and I look forward to learning more about Lentigy. And so let's let's jump right into that. So I have a question for you that's been plaguing me for many years. I mean, I've I've been first started off as a practitioner and worked in recruiting and and retention and and one of the things that we started talking about around 10 years ago was candidate experience and and improving it. And we've been talking about improving it. There's our, there are awards out there. There are efforts, there are blogs, there are, you know, surveys, how can it be improved? So it's something that's been on our minds and on the minds of applicants, job seekers and candidates for many, many years. It doesn't feel like it's changed or improved in the last 10 years. So why do you think there's been no action and no behavior changes surrounded all the t- by all the talk? I think no is a bit harsh. So I agree with you. There, there could be a lot. There's a lot of room for improvement. No question. Um, it's one of the <laughs> that's sure. half the reason we're in business, so to speak. There you go on the candidate experience side. But you know, we, we've seen some reaction to improvement. I think by both companies and solution providers. You know, in basic ways. You know, they're adopting more consumer-driven approaches to interacting with candidates and employees. 
and again, basic things, but things like signing in with social media accounts versus creating new dedicated accounts, consumer style features like you know a push towards personalization and faceted search across various talent functions. Again, you know, the candidate side, certainly on the job search side. And finally, I think, and, and this is fairly recent, but a real shift towards the mobile user as, as the main consumer and, right, and a, right. a first-class citizen, so to speak. So you know, <laughs> I think there's been progress, not enough, because again, if we kind of go back, like you said, and you look at the dissatisfaction and the turnover uh, right. in the systems, it's, it's still there. It, it hasn't gone down. In fact, you know, it, it, it frankly looks like it may even be going up. And, you know, admittedly, I think HR and the solution providers have been late to the party. And so I kind of have an opinion on it that, that again, kind of goes back historically and kind of stems, I think, from what I believe is kind of the original philosophy behind the move from analog to digital in HR. And so up until, I don't know, the last five years or so, the prevailing driver was about automation. It was about efficiency. It was about getting rid of paper and a really failed concept that I've, I've never subscribed to, but, you know, managing people like a supply chain. Right. And those drivers historically have been based much more on cost reduction than they were based on, on value creation and a focus on talent. So I think, I think that, that, that fundamental flaw, and maybe we can call it a rite of passage. You had to get through some of those automation challenges and, you know, as things matured. But I do believe there is a shift in the attitude of employers and solution providers as we speak to them as well, which I believe is an important start. So one of the things that, that we kind of see there is a missing piece that I think both can help accelerate it, the, the kind of the change, as well as change it from more of a reactionary interest for companies and, and into more of a fundamental data-driven exercise is really to have the proper measures in place to support change. And, you know, that's one of the areas that where Tolentogy comes in as well is really trying to provide a standard set of tools and measures to really understand the behaviors of the, in this case, of candidates and and also how uh, companies are addressing the challenges with uh, candidate experience. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And if you also look at, you know, what we've seen in history of the last five to 10 years is the, you know, the onset and growth of social media and the ability for candidates to be more vocal and to be a little bit less worried about their future and more in control of their future. So it seems like we've, we've shifted from HR and recruiters and talent acquisition being in charge of the process to to candidates, job seekers, and applicants saying, hey, I'm in charge of my future, and I'm going to tell you what I want. And if I don't like what's happening, if I don't see that this is going to benefit me in my future, if you don't have a career path for me, I'm going to not subscribe to what you're trying to sell to me. I'm not going to follow through. I'm going to drop this job search with you, and I'm going to go elsewhere. So it feels like there's this um, control shift in the process, too, that has come from the millennial train of thought and also from the vocality that's been given to the job seeker because of social media. Do you think that lends itself to kind of the the crisis that we're seeing in HR? Do you think there is even a crisis in HR? And and I kind of feel there is. I'd love for you to address, um, you mentioned just a few moments ago, what Talentogy is doing to answer that. So why don't we just go right in? Tell us what Talentogy does, and then we'll go from there. 
Sure. So, and, and, and I do, I agree with you. I think it's, you know, as far as the challenge, not only from candidates having, you know, new ways to use their voice through social media and, you know, you know even more recently through some of the company review sites and feedback and kind of changes in the workforce and the economy, I mean, you know, at least in the U.S. and labor markets, you know, driving competition there. So it's, it, it kind of sets up a perfect storm. And even as the economy is, you know, will change at some point ago, uh, it always has gone up and down. I think the behaviors and kind of the changing structure of work isn't going to change. I think right. that's, you know, I think that is a trend that is that's going to be a long term trend and we're going to see continued change there. So what we do is, you know, to kind of to, to answer the question specifically is we help companies address some of those challenges by giving them visibility about how all their programs and systems are performing. And we do it in real time. So we use a, an AI layer because everybody has to have AI these days. Of course. Uh, but we actually have a real purpose <laughs> for it. So we actually use that layer to do a lot of the analysis programmatically, which say, if you think about all the different systems that HR has and all those different transactions that happen across those systems based on candidates and employees, it's a lot of volume, it's a lot of traffic, even for, for smaller organizations. So to really take a look at how those interactions take place in real time, it would be impossible for HR to manually analyze all that. So we've built in a layer that does the analysis from a programmatic standpoint. And then we also provide tools for HR teams to collaborate and gather feedback from the end users themselves. So we sit on top of all those HR systems and processes, just like uh, Google Analytics sits on top of websites. Okay. So there's no integration required. It's a tag uh, or an embed code uh, that, that basically sits within these systems. And we're continuously monitoring and, uh, and helping companies optimize the experiences that uh, their end users have. So our, our goal and the end result is that a company can have a clear understanding of when and where changes need to be made. So they can do that based on in a data-driven uh, decision-making process versus uh, a reactionary process, and also where things are working so they can accelerate those things and that they have instant visibility of the impact of those changes. And again, not just in an anecdotal way, not in the, the, the urban legends and, the, and the, the, the feedback that are coming in through, through different channels that they have to react to every day, but in a foundation of consistent measurement and trending designed specifically for HR. So that's what we bring to the table with the Talentigy platform and really how we're trying to help companies have better visibility across all of the different systems and programs they have in place. At the top of our conversation, you mentioned HR having multiple systems to mm -hmm. work with and contend with. This is another system adding to their work. So how can an HR practitioner or an exec, an HR exec, who already has purchased systems, who's already using multiple systems, how can, can they, let's talk about building a case so that they can go to their CEO or the executive team and really plead for, hey, I want you to review this product. I think this is something we need. I, and let me tell you why. So what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, it's 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 and you're right. I mean, we are we we are arguably another system, and right. we certainly subscribe to a do no harm model right. from that standpoint. <laughs> but you know, building a business case, I think, for improving it, it, any experiences, you know, from an HR standpoint, but certainly candidate experience, I think building the case is easier than folks may think. At least, certainly on the candidate side. So I'm sure companies 
you know, have that anecdotal evidence, you know, the complaints, the stories right. of dissatisfaction that they can start logging and begin to more formally track and trend. And obviously, to your point, feedback that's coming in on social media and company review sites, you can look to that. You know, if you're really trying to get a specific measure of, you know, what is the level of at least perceived dissatisfaction within your own organization. And then on top of that company-specific data, which isn't, isn't hard to come by, there's, as you know, also some great studies out there, whether it's from Talent Board or HR Wins or Burson and lots and lots of others. Right, right. You know, and we actually, you know, one of the things Shauna does is catalogs all of those studies in our blog. And, you know, if a company wants to pull down some of the third-party data they can start to kind of build out a view of the business impacts of, of poor experiences. Because I think that's where in the past few years, I think there's always been an understanding of, you know, a level of dissatisfaction. You're seeing it in verbatims on in social media and in yeah, the company review sure. sites. And, and you're also beginning to see real hard dollar business impacts on brand based on uh, not addressing some of those challenges and, and the inability to attract and, and acquire and grow talent. So I think, you know, the first step in building a case is to understand that, you know, a poor experience does have real business impacts and to admit there's room to improve in the company. So, you know, some of it is just it's, it's belief and acknowledgement and there's plenty of data out there to kind of help you back it up in addition to what a company, you know, most likely has sitting at their their fingertips to kind of build at least the the concept of you know, if not a crisis, certainly an area that can sustain uh, continued improvement and, and to understand the impacts of those, those changes. Now, the next bit's a little bit harder, and that's, that's where we can help out, and, and we're not the only ones, but, you know, that's what, what, where we kind of come in, and that's to establish a, a consistent set of measures to kind of assess um, the as-is and to help kind of justify any of the, the changes to be. So, okay. and, and to do that, we kind of believe in both a combination of passive metrics and also active feedback metrics. And so if we use, we've kind of been sticking on a, a candidate in kind of a talent acquisition example. So we think about some basic stats on the passive side, meaning these are things you can put in place without having to go through big communication or change management inside organizations. You don't have to change your processes right away. You know, these are things that you can measure continuously and begin to trend to kind of help out in the business case and are just, you know, happening behind the scenes. So things like what types of content are your candidates interacting with? You know, what's, what's a conversion rate and what's the source for applications? And then breaking it into things like drill downs by job function, you know, really taking a look at what candidates are interacting with on mobile devices and also being able to break that out by job functions. We can't stress that enough and seeing the impacts of poor mobile experiences um, on just day-to-day interactions. And then, you know, at what stages in the hiring process are are candidates disengaging? And kind of put some of that in practice. We had a customer that was losing almost 20%, it was 18 and change of their applications due to some weird website bug that was affecting certain iPhone users where they couldn't complete an application. They were leaving. They were not coming back. They were not completing the application later on a desktop. They were just leaving. But that was about an 18% net loss uh, wow. in basic conversions. And another client, so forget about bugs, another client that was losing upwards of 10% of hourly worker applicants due to the placement of an arbitration clause, the thing read like an iTunes uh, <laughs> agreement, um, that was literally in the first step 
of the apply process oh, wow. and uh, trying to really fight the battle of moving that further downstream. So you uh, could you know, visibly after, after see and, and track the drop-off at that point and were able to tell a client, hey, this is where you're losing a significant number of applicants. Yeah, absolutely. We can see it based in, in, in basic engagement data. And what we do a little differently than, than maybe something you'd find in kind of general web analytics and stats is we also take session recordings, so videos of the actual interaction. So you literally see the user on the device interacting and leaving and the behaviors that are triggered there. So, you know, the what is, you can, you can get in a lot of different ways. Getting to the why is a bit more difficult. So we use, uh, at least on the passive side, session recordings to help facilitate that. And that made a a big difference in the company being able to go back and sit down and have a real conversation about, hey, you need to make a change. Well, and it's a little bit, I mean, that is a true business case right there because you can actually go to the executive team and say, look, and point the finger at exactly the behavior that that you've been talking about for years, but now you have evidence and you can say, this is where we need to fix it and I need dollars or I need resources, whatever I need to fix that. So, wow, that's that's really incredible. Yeah, um, and that's on the passive side. So, right. you know, you to, what, the point you brought up earlier about social media and the company review sites you know, the passive side is easy to get started with from that standpoint. On the active side, we also believe strongly in engaging users to give feedback and give users a voice, not just on where they're going to go on social media and company review sites, but in process. So getting direct feedback in real time or, you know, at later points in time about the hiring process from your candidates and even some of the newer stuff that you're beginning to see. How are people interacting? What types of questions are they asking with tools like chatbots? Capturing that voice on the active side and bringing those measures can also be really telling about where folks are getting frustrated and where there's opportunities for change. And, And, you know, one other little example on that, which was, it was funny at the time when we were looking at some of the results, we had a client that learned that a, that a no facial hair policy was actually a real deterrent in one of their areas of hiring when their competition would allow it. You know, who, who knew? Um, wow. So okay. you know, you're not going to capture that in no, a statistic. No, you're not. And certainly you might pick it up on a, on a third-party site, but sometimes the easiest way to learn how to, how to improve is to, is to ask the people that, that are going through the process and, and really empower their voice while you have an opportunity to respond to it and before right. you know, they head out on social media and, and other sites to, to get that platform. Why not give them a platform internally yourselves. And so we believe that that's something that's a really key component to kind of longer term and more strategic change outside of just kind of basic metrics and conversion statistics that are are critically important as well. But we think the active feedback and measurement is also a key component of uh, really driving some uh, strategic change in organizations. So the the facial hair story that's that's an impactful story that many organizations can really relate to in in capturing information to help them and assist them in changing process or changing policy or, or whatever is necessary to improve their candidate experience or improve the number of applicants they have coming in or you know to actually compete with their with their competitors for talent. So you mentioned the feedback, right? So if mm-hmm. it's this feedback is in real time, if we're talking chatbots or other way to access some kind of response from applicants, or how are you incentivizing that? Or is it just as simple as asking and, and it seems that maybe more than a few applicants or candidates are willing to, to give a response? Is it just simply asking during the process? 
Yeah, that's what it starts with. That's literally what it starts with. People are generally wired to want to give feedback. We, well, you know, I'm a a little more confident of that today, you know, 18 months into a company where that's been a component of what we do. And we've seen, you know, we've seen uh, hard data and results that show that. But we were, um, you know, uh, I guess amazed isn't the right word, but we were certainly surprised early on at the willingness of candidates (laughs) to engage and give feedback directly in a process right after it happened, you know, certainly post-decision in a hiring process. But even those that just finished the application and, you know, it's not this was too long, this, this process is terrible, it's, this and that are broken. I mean, you get, you get negative feedback, no, no question. But into, you know, in, in really trying to help companies understand, you know, I had my resume up on Dropbox and I had a problem loading it in or I didn't have that okay. as an option or okay. I saw this on another site and thought there could be an area of improvement. So it's, if you give them the opportunity to have a voice, we're finding that, that candidates are willing to engage. They're willing to provide direct and honest feedback. And uh, so I think if, if that's, that's not something that a company is incorporating, they should certainly consider it because you learn a lot. Well, you just, you took the words right out of my mouth. I'd actually written on my notepad right here, voice. So it was the opportunity of allowing the candidate applicant job seeker to express in their own words, the response to the questions or the, the feedback that was requested, as opposed to them when they do, when they become very disgruntled and very unhappy with the process, like we mentioned, they will go to social media, they will tell their friends, they will say, they will go to Glassdoor, whatever it is to, to review that process. I'm wondering if you can, I would love to know if their future correlation, if you can say to a potential client or a prospect for Talentogy, that if you allow them to respond in real time, you're going to reduce the negative comments that are made on social or to Glassdoor or to their friends. That's a really great case to add also, a business case to add also to the product is that, look, we're going to reduce the online negative because we're going to be answering their questions during the process. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good point. The um we're actually launching the next, uh, it'll be before HR Tech this in, in September, Okay. but company review monitoring. So we don't have the proof yet, but we do believe there's a strong tie between interaction and giving candidates a voice, giving employees a voice. Um, and you have to respond to it, you have to react to it, you have to do something about it. It can't just fall on deaf ears. There has to be change. But we believe that, that providing that mechanism to give feedback and, and interaction during the process will have an impact positively if managed well on the feedback that's given, you know, anonymously in many cases and on third-party sites out there. So, you know, stay tuned. It's something that we're yeah. going to be launching and we're going to be directly correlating the performance of the way companies are interacting with candidates and employees to the activity that's happening out there. So we expect to, we expect to have some some interesting data and anecdotes to share in the next uh, in the next several months about that. That would be wonderful. I would love to have you back on HR Latte to discuss that once you have a little bit more data and, and we can actually dive into that. That's a really interesting topic to me because I've been discussing applicant feedback for a long time. And I, I think I mentioned to you in, in our call last week that I have followed what individuals are saying about recruiters for many years on social media. And it's not all positive. <laughs> So it would be nice to see, you know, this twist on it where we can actually have an impact on that response, uh, have an impact on what is being said about the process. And I imagine that applicants are appreciating the opportunity to, oh, 
wow, they really care about how this went. They really want to know what my thoughts are. And I'm happy to, to give a response here. That's really interesting to me that, that there is no incentive applied other than a question. Just a question. Yeah, we so, see very high participation numbers. Uh, and and honestly, a lot more constructive feedback than we just see, you know, negatives that are that are coming in. So it, we were a bit surprised too, but, you know, it just goes to show, uh, you know, not burying your head in the sand, asking the questions, just being open and transparent is a great way to engage and, and really learn about how you can improve. And you mentioned this a, a bit ago with how consumer brand versus employer brand and how a poor employer brand, perhaps based on the application process, the interview process, can really have an impact on consumer brand. And we can see that there, you know, I don't need to name any names, but there is a specific consumer brand um, that has definitely been impacted. I'm going to put parentheses around a ride-sharing company that um, had horrible employee experience, horrible application process, and not a lot of empathy for the employees and how that has impacted their consumer brand and been a driver of reducing business and uh, their competition has gone up as a result. So I think there is a definite impact on consumer brand versus employer brand or the candidate experience brand of an organization. And would love to see um, in the future when you and I talk again, how you can prove that, look, improving this whole process is going to change how the consumer feels about your product, your service, whatever it is that you're providing, selling, distributing. And it's just, it's, this may be the missing link, <laughs> you know, in that, that we talked at the very top of the hour. You know, we've been talking about it for years. There's been some action, but it really, there are still unhappy applicants, job seekers, and candidates out there. So, Dwayne, thanks so much for joining me today. I can't wait to have you back and talk a little bit more We'll definitely have to have Shauna and Susan on the show also and, and talk about that whole aspect of what it's like to be a female founder and working in the tech world. Where can listeners reach you or find out more about Talentogy? Well, you can obviously come to the website, talentogy.com, and then we're, we're also on social media. So LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, you can, you can find us there. Or you can always feel free to reach out to any of us directly. Okay, perfect. So they can find you on LinkedIn and Yep. It is talentegy.com, T-A-L-E-N-T-E-G-Y.com. We'll also include information and maybe a few blog posts in the bio of this show that you referenced at, at the top of the show. HR Tech Conference is coming up. You mentioned it, September 11th through the 14th in Las Vegas. Are you guys going to be there? Yep, we'll be there again. This is our, <laughs> I think our uh, 16th, 17th year at HR Tech. So we've, <laughs> you, uh, uh, you and Sean are years, battling so the battle together. Indeed, but um, uh, we'll be in the startup pavilion, so okay. so definitely stop by and see us. And then I think uh, we're also going to be in the, the pitch fest thing this year. So, oh uh, wow, that's if you want to be able to see us up on the stage. Yeah. Well, we will make sure that we also post information about how that goes. And I just want to thank you so much, Dwayne. It's a pleasure to speak with you and learn more about Talentogy. And of course, it's always a pleasure to talk to a friend and um, learn more about what they're up to. So, thanks so much for joining me today. Yeah. Rand, thank you as well. It's always great to connect. Make sure you tune in for future episodes of HR Latte. We will definitely be discussing Talentogy and learning more about what they're doing. Uh, coming back to you with some real-world stats and how you can build a case to get your executive team to listen and want to improve this whole process. I cannot wait till we, we look back and say, yes, we did it. We finally improved the candidate experience. Thanks for tuning in today. 